Thanks for checking out the Airborne Youth Podcast. This week you'll be hearing a teaching from Ben Evenson. Now, I think this is a big time of year, guys, and I recognize this reality, and we've been talking about this some lately, is just the reality of things that get awakened at this time of year for all different kinds of reasons. Do you understand, like, the, the existence and the, um, the arrival of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, shook the heavens and the earth in every possible way it could be shaken in a time where there was desperation and darkness and all of this stuff. The, the arrival of the Messiah did something spiritually that just shook the status quo that was happening. And I believe that that reality occurs every single year, regardless of how atheistic a society becomes. There is a shaking that happens spiritually in this time of year that everyone recognizes. I don't know that anybody's like, no, I don't think. Like, you might not be aware that you're recognizing it, but I think people feel it. Like, things, emotions get stirred up, and things are happening, and there's a warfare that really happens. Did you hear this week, a Nebraska or Arkansas, I get those two confused all the time, like, school principal, public school principal, banned the existence of red and white candy canes from the school for the entire holiday because... They're upside down. They are the shape of a J, and that stands for Jesus. I'm like, are you like? First off, that's ridiculous that you would go there. Like, wow! But literally, they were like the principal of the school. Like, did you hear about this, Janelle? You're a teacher, Kim. You didn't hear about this. I was like, what? Totally banned from the school. No little hooked candy canes. Maybe the straight stick ones are cool because they're so non-religious. I'm like. Candy canes? Anyway, you have to be afraid to act like that. Do you hear me? You have to be afraid to act like that. Like all the stuff on Deflategate with Tom Brady and the Patriots. It's like you have to be afraid that you're going to lose the game to even care if the ball is inflated right or not. Do you hear me? That was like a fear thing that rose up. Like uh, anything we can do to bring down the Patriots, let's find a little angle. Like who cares? Like, we used to play with a ball of rags when I was a kid. I was like, it's like, who cares how it deflates? But there is a fear factor that exists. Hey, guys, shut up and listen. Sit up. It's not nap time, all right? You guys are all talking. It's obnoxious. Leave if you're going to, all right? Anyway. Anyway. You can go talk out there by your mom if you need to, being mean. All right. But it's annoying. It really is annoying, okay? So, This reality of fear stirs up at this time of year, and I think the enemy gets this like, oh, this is when, like, Jesus comes back to the forefront of society. Do you understand that? Even the people that are like, let's call it Xmas and keep Jesus out. It's like you're still intentionally thinking about Jesus to keep him out. Do you see, like, there's this, like, so there's a desperate fear in the demonic realm of what this season represents because it marks an anniversary And who cares if it was actually December 25th? It is the marking of a moment when God came in the flesh and transformed the globe and history and the universe and all the kingdoms of all types of all kinds. Does this make sense? Like this is massive. And it says, and behold, what? He will come. What is it? Anyway, gosh. And the government will be on his shoulders and the increase of his government and peace will be without end. They will call him Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God. Like, this was a declaration into, not just for people to hear. It wasn't just like, oh, here you go, everybody. This was like a declaration into the heavenlies and into the spiritual realm that said, watch out. It's about to shift. 
And Jesus came and he obliterated the darkness, began something that's so powerful that we walk in today in a way that we, like, we almost don't have a full appreciation for it because we didn't experience the level of darkness that existed in the earth prior to Jesus coming. The moment he arrived on the scene and certainly the moment he sent his Holy Spirit to be the light within us, we have never on planet earth experienced darkness like the day before Jesus came in the flesh. It shifted everything. So guys, it's a powerful time, and it's smart and intelligent and wise to pay attention to these realities and understand that when you feel at this, like, this time of year, or frankly, any time of year, these pressures and these things, and like Katie said, like, feeling like you're just being under attack from every direction, to begin to recognize why. You're under attack because you're, you have an enemy, and this is a real situation, real battle, but guess what? The enemy only survives and thrives if you agree that he's going to win or if you show fear that you think he's going to win a recognition of the truth and who jesus is and what he's done on the cross gives you confidence and boldness to go oh stop you're so afraid do you understand that no nfl team gets freaked out by the peewee football flag football team of six-year-olds coming to challenge them they're kind of like oh this will be cute you know but I think we look at ourselves like the Pee Wee team going like, the devil's got all those big guys. Like, no, he really doesn't. But he'll talk trash, and if you believe him, he'll have you terrified. And he'll have you running in fear and believing all kinds of crap that drags you down into places that you were never meant to be. It's his method. It's his, we say this all the time. There is nothing more to the devil than a lie that you agreed with. He has no authority in you. Yes, the Spirit of God has transformed you. You're a new creation. It's done. It's over. Does this make sense? A little bit? So I'm going to go to a really familiar passage, which is really wild, because this passage, I popped up, and I've been, like, like meditating, like, oh, my gosh, it's such a cliche passage. And then, like, literally last night at my kids' elementary program at HCS, we were at the, like, Christmas program, one of the kids reads this verse that I've been I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's, like, super cliche. Well, then I see that one of my friends last night, about 20 minutes after that was read during the performance, posted that exact same verse on a, I'm like, no way, are you kidding? And then today in preaching, teaching class, one of the students that was sharing their testimony said this verse. And I was like, this is crazy. So we're definitely going there because there might be something on it. Is that fair enough to say? A verse you've probably all heard about a million times. It's in the Old Testament. Jeremiah. What? It's what I know. It's that common that every, it's the only one. John 3.16 and Je- Jeremiah 29.11 that most Christians nowadays, it's the only ones they actually know the numbers for. Am I right? Yeah, it's sad. Okay. The numbers are really not that important. God didn't put the numbers there, so don't panic if you don't know the numbers. Okay. I've actually, I know less of the numbers now than I used to when I was a little kid and memorized all these verses, but I know the words. Numbers are, they're nice to find stuff, but it's not that important, okay? It says right here, 2911, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Not like suggests. He declares it. Got it? You with me on this? Plans to make you miserable, leave you alone. No, not at all. Plans to prosper you, declares the Lord. Just hear this, please. And not to harm you. Not to harm you. 
Okay, this is what God says. Plans to give you a hope and a future. That's a really good verse, right? But here it goes beyond that. I actually jumped to, the, to th- verse 13. It says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. And I will be found by you. This is a promise that goes with this reality that God says, like, I know the plans I have for you. You will seek me and you will find me when you seek with all your heart. He's not saying, like, if I just become the side dish to your life, you're just going to be overwhelmed by all of the goodness and all the plans that I have for your life. Do you understand this? How many of you exactly know what the next 10 years of your life are going to look like? Nope. No, I don't either. So guess what? It might be wise to seek counsel in how to get there. Okay? If I were to ask you guys right now, hey, drive to my home address when I was growing up. 855. It's the longest address I think that's ever existed on planet Earth. We were the only address on this entire road. 27 characters on the first line. 855 East Schoolhouse Gulch Road. (laughs) Yeah. If I told you right now, hey, go there. Check out the house I grew up in. Okay? What are you going to do? No, what are you going to do? If I was like, here, here's a car, here's $2,000, go check out my home where I grew up. Okay? What would you do? What? MapQuest. That would be a good start, right? Or you just start driving and hope you end up at 855 East Schoolhouse Gulch Road? Come on. Google Maps? Apple Maps? I think my, oh yeah, maybe. Or find a driver. Anyway, pay the Uber. All right? Look, listen to me. Every one of you would need to go and get directions to get there. One way or another, Waze app might be my favorite right now, except it drains your battery. It's terrible, okay? But the Waze app has something really phenomenal about it that even a place where you might want to go that's relatively familiar, bringing up the Waze app might save you a ton of time. Am I right? Because Waze is absolutely, I think more than any of the other map apps, is live time corrected to constantly say, hey, found a faster way, let's go. Hey, found a faster way. Turn right. Exit here. How many of you have ever done this with your families? Most of you don't drive a lot, but some of you do. You're on an interstate going to the beach or something, and you're like on this big highway, and all of a sudden the map app goes, you're like three hours from the beach, and the app goes like, exit here. And you're like, well, that's stupid. We're on the interstate. Get what ways might know is something you don't. That two miles beyond that exit, the interstate is blocked by something that's happened and come up. Am I right? And so that knows, because it has foreknowledge of what's down the road, it knows to say, exit here. I'm going to take you past the obstacle, and you have the stubborn option of saying, no, it's the interstate. I'm staying right here. Am I right? And then it's like recalculating, and two hours more on your trip time. You're still going to get there, I guess. But how many of you know that two extra hours on a drive to your beach vacation is so dumb? Am I right? If you can find a way to get there in a more streamlined fashion, it makes absolute sense to trust an app that sees further down the road than you. Behold, 
I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. And if you seek me, you will find me. If you seek with all of your heart. If you take that app and you start going like, well, it says to go that way, but I think it looks pretty to go this way. You either end up in a dead-end road, if you're, like, not familiar with the area, or you end up going like, wow, that took a lot longer than it had to. You heard of a group named the Israelites? You ever heard of that group? And they left this certain place called Egypt, and they went into the wilderness because they were headed to go to the promised land, and God gave them directions. How long does it take to walk from Egypt where they left to the promised land where they were going? Anybody know? How long does it take? Not how long did it take. Yeah. Nope. Lynn. Seven-day walk. On the map, if you go there, the Israelites in seven to eight days with a million people who could have walked from Egypt to the promised land. Anybody know how long it took them? Forty years. Do you know why? Because God gave them directions and said, here it is, ten steps to get to the promised land. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. You know that one? Thou shalt not have any idols. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not kill. What a restrictive, evil, terrible God. So controlling of him. Seven-day journey, guys. Ten steps. Oh, God, no, but we have an idea. He's like, okay. Forty years and almost the entire population of Israel, of Israel did not enter the promised land after that 40 years because most of them died in the wilderness. I would submit to you that barely any, if any, would have been lost on the seven-day journey that God had called them to and marked out their steps. He even sent a pillar of fire to go ahead of them at night and a pillar of cloud during the day. Like, follow the cloud, guys. Like, duh. The little blue line with the arrow. Just go. Turn, exit here. Exit here. It was not hard, but pride. And I know the way better than God. Took them on a really nice 40-year detour that led to most of their death in the wilderness. Super good example. You know, and we look at that and we're like, what idiots. Well, guess what, guys? We have the written record of it happening and we're still doing the same stupid crap today. Stupid on their part, like totally idiotic on our part, to have the facts and go, oh, I think I can do it better. I think I can make my way through this navigation of life, and I don't need God's direction. Stop restricting me, God. Let me be who I want to be, and I'll be fine. And then we hit a train wreck in our life, and where do we turn? God, why did you do this to me? He's going like, I gave you directions. Let it settle. Like, do you hear me? This is real life every day. God is saying, 
I know the plans I have for you. Let's go. All right? I got another verse, different translation. Still in the Old Testament, though. How about that? This is in Psalms. This is a guy named David who kind of had a lust problem, if you don't know about him. Okay? He was a king, also known as the man after God's own heart. Figure that one out, right? Like, he's the king that saw the gorgeous naked woman on the roof across the city and was like, I want her. He took her and then killed her husband to hide it. Like, man after God's own heart. But this guy had real issues. I'm just saying, like, hey, God gave him directions too, and he had some major detours because he chose his own way. You follow me? There's redemption and restoration when you screw up. Doesn't mean it's going to make the road short. It doesn't mean it's going to have no pain. But God says, I have a plan not to harm you, but to give you a hope and a future. That's where my road map leads. How, many, how often? Anybody know what the percentage is? Does God's roadmap lead to hope and a future and prosperity? Does it? What percentage of the time? 100%. Wow. That's pretty good odds. And it would give you enough credibility to say, you know what, maybe I should uh, look into that. Maybe. Like if Google could honestly advertise, like we have never gotten anyone lost with our Maps app. (laughs) Right, I know. Like there's a bunch of people in this room, they're like, oh, no, no, no. No, God doesn't have pathetic odds. But we still trust Google. And it's led many people astray. And we'll put more trust in Google than we will in what God wrote in this book. Do you hear me? It's like, the, it's just like not even, it doesn't even make sense. Psalm 119 says right here, how can a young man or woman stay pure? This is David writing, right? Remember, he had some struggles with lust. How can a young man stay pure, he said? Only by living in the word of God and walking in its truth. I have longed for you with the passion of my heart. Don't let me stray from your directions. This is David writing. Don't, it's right there in the Bible. Don't let me stray from your directions. I love that. I consider your prophecies to be my greatest treasure. And I memorize them and I write them on my heart to keep me from committing sin's treason against you. NIV says, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. This is passion translation. It's a little more readable. I like it. Do you get that? I memorize them and write them on my heart to keep me from committing treason against you. My wonderful God, you are to be praised above all. Teach me the power of your decrees. I speak continually of your laws as I recite out loud your counsel to me. I find more joy in following what you tell me to do than chasing after all the wealth of the world. I set my heart on your precepts. If you don't know what that means, it's the guidance, it's the directions, it's the ways of God. I know, Ways app totally stole it. The ways, okay, all right, just saying. They took it from the Bible. It was there first. I speak continually of your laws. As I recite out loud your counsel to me, I find more joy in following what you tell me to do than in chasing after all the wealth of the world. I set my heart on your precepts and pay close attention to all your ways. My delight is found in all your laws, and I won't forget to walk in your words. This is David going like, okay, this is, this is the mindset I must have, is to get it through my brain 
humble before God, he actually might know what's going on in the future. Does anybody disagree? Like, no, God has no clue. You hear me? The next little subsection is called the abundant life. Prosper, not to harm you. Okay? This is David's continued. Let me, your servant, walk in abundance of life. How many of you want that idea? Anybody going, no, no, black is good for me. I love it. Anybody want to raise their hand and be like, no, I love having nothing and feeling miserable all the time. Why do we keep doing the same things that take us to the same result over? It's like, no, I actually love being depressed and miserable. So that's why I do the same off of the directions all the time over and over again. Do you hear me? It's like it's really right in here in black and white. If you read it, it does something in your heart. It's beautiful, okay? That I may always live to obey your truth. Open my eyes to see the miracle wonders hidden in your word. They really are. Ethan told me today, he was like, I was reading the Bible this week, and it was like, it was like life to me. It was like, woo, it was like a new refreshing spot. Anyway, I was like, yes, that's that. That is the sweet spot. There are times you can read the Bible and be like, I have no idea what's going on. It doesn't mean it's not doing anything in your heart. I'm telling you, following directions on a map is not always exciting. But getting to where you want to go has some reward. Do you hear me? Get in the word. That was a subliminal message. All right. My life on earth is so brief, so tutor me in the ways of your wisdom. I am continually consumed by these irresistible longings, these cravings to obey your every commandment. David had this. He's like, I have this like irresistible craving to just do what God wants me to do. That's crazy. That's a place of when you recognize like, oh my gosh, I'm going to get there. So powerful. Anyway, your displeasure rests on those who are arrogant, who think they know everything. Anybody in here think they know everything? <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. I'm one. I'll raise my hand. I'm working on it, okay? Give me a chance, all right? I'm serious. Your displeasure rests with those who are arrogant, who think they know everything. You rebuke the rebellious who refuse your laws. How, do, how would you like to have God rebuke you directly? Yeah. Disobey his laws and see how it goes. And then turn to him and be like, it's all your fault. He's going, I gave you a map. Just saying, reminding you of that one. Don't let them mock and scorn me for obeying you. This is really good. David even knew what peer pressure was. He said, don't let them mock and scorn me for obeying you. He had a revelation of that. For even if the princes and my leaders choose to criticize me, I will continue to serve you and walk in your plans for my life. Your commandments are my counselors. Your word is my light and my delight, it says. Guys, there is such a fresh reality that comes in this knowing the ways of God. And you have to go find out what they are. It says, seek me with all your heart and you will find me. And I know there's lots of other pursuits and things that you want to go after. I would say most of you in here are like, I want to find that person I'm going to spend the rest of my life with. Guess what? The Bible has a promise for that. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. You can go get them out of order. But it goes with pain and heartache and all kinds of train wrecks and mistakes and, and like 
God is good to redeem, so I don't want like I don't want like despair to fall like, oh my gosh, I just totally done that. No, like God is so faithful to redeem the broken parts, but you don't have to. You don't have to crash and burn. God has given you ways to walk, ways to live, ways to pursue him in clear black and white. And he says, seek first my kingdom with all of your heart. That's the key. You will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I think it's very easy in American Christianity to be like, I seek God with this little part of my life, but when it comes to my sports, I'm going to have to do this my way. When it comes to my career and my college and my grades, God doesn't really have this all worked out. I've got to hang on to this one and make this, make sure this goes my way. When it comes to my relationships, I'm a little ashamed because I know that the feelings that I'm having I shouldn't probably have, so I'm going to keep God out of this part of my life and just manage that on my own, and I think God will take care of all the other parts, and that's really good. God says, you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. And I mentioned this on Sunday, and it's been this thing I've been talking about lately, is I was like driving the other day, and I just had my phone like laying there, and I just was like, this is crazy. And I think I was noticing people in their cars all looking at their phones and texting and all this. Like, and I was like, man, how does the enemy convince anyone that God is controlling and restrictive? Because honestly, I cannot fathom a way of thinking that says God is a control freak. Because God, if God was a control freak, first off, the second tree in the garden never would have been. Next point. He would have never given us the capacity to create these weapons of mass destruction. Do you hear me? This is a phenomenal tool that can bring insane life to you. I have like 800 versions of the Bible in my pocket. And a lot of other good things. I'm not saying like the Bible is the only cool thing about a phone. Okay, really good. The ability to communicate, the ability to do this. But how many of you know this can be the most destructive item in your world on the exact same day. You can read your Bible in the morning and look at porn at night and both bring life to your heart and death to your spirit all in 24 hours with one little thin piece of metal in your pocket. That is not a restrictive God. That is a God of freedom that says, I'll give you a map, find out. This is a God that says, ultimate freedom. I'm letting you walk this road however you want. He let the Israels take up Israelites take a 40-year journey to the place he had prepared for them. I tell you what, if I buy, like, the coolest Christmas present in the whole wide world for my kids, Christmas morning, I want them opening that gift immediately. I do not want my heart as a father has a beautiful gift prepared for my children. I do not want them to take 40 years to access it. God was like, seven days, guys, I made this place. You've just been slaves for hundreds of years in Egypt. All they've ever known is making bricks and straw and burning in the sun and dying and being beat to death. And he's going, I've got a place. It's amazing. It's flowing with milk and honey. And it says when they finally got there that the, the grapes were so gigantic that it took two men on a pole over their shoulders to carry one bundle of grapes. It's truth. It's in the Bible. You should read it. It's really cool. Okay? Do you hear me? 
That's some big grapes. And he's going like, you're going from slavery to your own place. Seven days. Can you imagine the heartache he watched for 40 years as they died in the wilderness? And still, in the wilderness, what did he do? He kept them. He fed them every day, miraculously out of the sky. Water showed up when there was no water in a desert, okay? God was still there in the wilderness. I'm not saying, like, you just walk away and it's like, oh, God, screw it. But the heartache didn't have to happen because there was a roadmap straight to the promised land. There is a roadmap for you to have the most insane, amazing marriage and family and job and career and all of this stuff be the most fulfilling thing you could ever imagine. It says, seek first the kingdom of God. And all of these things will be added unto you. You want a good marriage? Stop chasing after it. What, Ben? That's crazy. Yes. Until you've grabbed a hold of the kingdom of God, you're not ready to be married or date. I'm not like, I know everybody's like, oh, here he goes again. Are you kidding me? You're going to go drag somebody else into your half-hearted wilderness journey? (laughs) Word, right, Jalen? Come on, I need the amen in the crowd. Do you, like, God is not a joke. He's not going like, oh, I'm going to lead them down this crazy path toward righteousness and then screw them. Like, he's going, promised land. The, 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 like, whatever. Everybody's giggling now. I said, screw them in church. Oh, my gosh. Okay. I've said worse things up here. Yeah, some of you know. Like, yeah. Do you hear me, though? The, the journey of the Israelites through the wilderness was a prophetic picture of the journey to the place of God, relationship, fullness, the return to the Garden of Eden that Jesus came to open for us to walk in relationship with God and see what it looks like to have a plan for your life, to prosper you, to not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. That's what the promised land represented. More than enough. Grapes as big as your head. Like, Here's dinner. Like, that's ridiculous to think about. But guys, I'm challenging you. What God wants to do in this region and through you and through Airborne and all the other youth, we get together for a regional encounter night and 200 teenagers come out on a Friday night to worship for three hours. Come on. That is not, that just like boils the devil's blood. He's like, oh my gosh, I'm losing them. So you, feel, you wonder why the next day you felt like, my gosh, I'm under attack in every direction. What's going on? Because he hates you. And he wants you to take a detour and take your own proud path to find what God has put, you, put out before you. I'm not telling you that if you follow the roadmap, it's all just going to be like, sweet, cruising, convertible. Like, we said this in the preaching class today. We said, like, the testimony... And this is not my own thing. I don't want to take credit for it. I heard this. The testimony requires a test. Otherwise, you just have a money. Anybody know what a money is? I have no idea. But we all know what a testimony is. It's a test presented to you that you came through and conquered, and you get to say, I won. And the devil's crying. Do you hear me? Stay on the road. Follow the directions. If you have no idea what God's directions are, 
I will get you one of these. In fact, there's a bucket full of them right over there. If you're like, I don't have a Bible, I would bet you're lying because there's like 6,000 free ones on your phone, and most of you have a phone now. If you don't, you have no excuses. Take one for free. Pick one. Read the Word of God. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. If you feel like, man, I just keep screwing up, you might need more of the Word of God in your heart to prevent you from falling into stupid lies. That's just practical. Before Google Maps, there was atlases. I remember when I was like eight, we drove from Arizona to Minnesota in the winter, like idiots with my family, okay? And I remember the atlas. I had the highlighter. And we'd go state to state, road by road. We'd like highlight the road that we're going on so we could show where we had been across the whole country. We could have just been like, if that would have blown out the window, we'd be like, oh my gosh, don't go anywhere. We need to find another atlas or we're dead. Like, You'd never get where you're going without the source of direction. Yeah, Mer. Exactly. It was, <laughs> praise God. They've all been born after I graduated high school. That's what's real. All right. Hold up. That's okay, Mer. And Atlas was a really big book. About this tall, about this wide. You pick them up at like the gas station or AAA. And it had one page for every state on the, in America. One page, and then a couple pages. Like, California was like three pages, because it's huge. And Texas was like four. So you'd have to, like, turn pages and find, like, where's the... They were in alphabetical order. So you'd... Oh, yeah. And then the front, there was always a whole country map, but it didn't have all the fine little roads. But each big page had every dang little road in every dang little state, all of America... Yeah, before the interweb, all right? The online. I know, I'm kidding. I know it's called the internet. I'm being funny. She's correcting me. She's like, it's the internet, Ben. Listen to me. With, I don't care what time in history you exist. If you don't have a roadmap, you're destined to get lost. Seriously. How many of you would even know which direction from right here point toward Arizona? Yeah, that's where I grew up. If you're going to try to find my house, y'all like, oh, I'll go down 83. Like, really? Okay. Tyler's like, I could find it. The sun goes down in the west. Just drive. All right, no. It doesn't work like that. All right? So listen, I'm, I'm rambling now at the end, and that's what I do. Listen to me. I challenge you. I challenge you. How does a young man or woman keep their way pure? I think you all want to. I really, truly, in my heart of hearts, think you all want to keep your way pure. And you want to find that destiny that God has put out before you. If he showed you all at once what it was, you'd probably run away scared because the process sometimes looks scary, but it's always amazing and a victory. Do you hear me? So he shows you just enough of what you need to see for the moment, to follow in the path that he is, that he has for you. So I challenge you, do some, like, inventory with the Lord and go, like, what part of my heart am I not seeking you with all of? Come on. I think we all, like, there's an area of all of our lives that we're going, like, no, I got this. I'm super gifted in this area. Why would I need to involve God in the picture? You might be surprised. I'm telling you, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. So stand up.
I know, your butts are all raw and falling asleep. I'm sorry. Okay, here we go. Shh. Put your hands up for a minute. I'm just going to bless you all. And I want, you, I want to invite you all to find one of our leaders before you leave this room tonight. If something in this, literally, if something in this is gripping your heart, you're like, man, I'm so lost. I don't have a clue what you're talking about, but something feels. Hey, I believe the Holy Spirit's working in hearts tonight and like something's stirring up. And I don't believe it's condemnation. I don't think it's meant to make you feel bad. I think it's meant to inspire your heart to say, oh, there's hope. That's what God came for. The hope and the future part, not the look at your past because you suck. God doesn't do that. Guess what? Look at me. The Bible says God removes your sin as far as, as, far as the east is from the west, and he remembers them no longer. So God's not thinking about what you've done. He's looking at the hope and the future that he's providing for you, but he's saying, I've got a roadmap. Keep your eyes on me. Let's go. Let's move because I've got a really delightful place I want to take you. It's called your future, and it's not hopeless. But there's a way to get there where the pain is minimized and the battle is not against you, but you get victory upon victory upon victory. It's called following the way of God. Seeking his face in every decision and not going like, I think I got this. He wants to take you to the greatest gift. And he's an excited father going, open it, open it. Open it. Like, literally, he's excited for you to open this thing. He doesn't want a 40-year journey for you to find his face. It's tonight he wants you to find his face. So for real, hands up, I'm really going to pray this time. I'm sorry, I do that. Whatever, it's good. Jesus, we thank you for these amazing young people. God, we thank you for the generation that you are marking for this time and this point in history, God, to rock the globe with a goodness and love that you have poured out into them, God, as you transform their lives and set them free from all kinds of things, God. I pray you would anoint these young people, God, with an ability to see your word and see your ways and know how you're leading, God, that they would be so streamlined, God, that the world would come and go, how did you get there like that? How did you find hope? How did you find a future? God, I thank you for each and every student in this room, God. Bless them. Fill them with your love every single day, God, that their truth would fall, your truth would fall upon their hearts, God. And they'd walk in your ways and keep their way pure. In Jesus' name, amen. This podcast was recorded live at a Wednesday night youth meeting. To find out more, check us out on Facebook and Instagram by searching Airborne Youth.